You are listening to an Awkward Human podcast. For more information on this podcast or all of our shows, visit awkwardhuman.com slash shows. Hey, everyone. This is your host, Richard Cardenas, and you are on an interview with a comic book nerd. That is this show, the one that you're listening to now. Hey, how's everyone doing? This week has been good. I've been um, being productive a lot. I have a million ideas that I've been kind of working my head around and stuff, and I think that it's lovely, and, and I've been enjoying that. It's kind of exciting when you've got kind of like a creative process, whatever that is, you know, whether you're building something, you're you're drawing something, or you're writing something, like whatever, whatever you think is creative for you, or whatever you're putting your time into to be productive, but in a fun way, like something that you enjoy. I think it's really good to do that stuff and kind of relish in it a little bit, because let's face it, not all of us have the ideal living situation or the ideal work situation or the ideal anything but when you have the stuff that you can kind of go to and you can kind of grab onto and be like this is something I do for fun and it doesn't harm anyone and it doesn't harm me but I enjoy it and I'm being productive doing this thing keep doing that I don't know why I just ranted about that but you know take it to the bank or whatever they say um, welcome to the show. Uh, we are going to start off the show by, well, by giving you a little motivation, I hope. <laughs> but we'll continue the show on with our review. So this week I'm going to talk about Iceman that did come out like two weeks ago. I didn't talk about it then. I had a little bit of a of a little rant on one of the bonus episodes that came out. I think that was Whitson's bonus episode, uh, episode six bonus I think it's called. I don't know. I name it, but I don't tell me to keep track of it. Um, so I did a little rant on that, but I didn't actually read it yet. And I finally read it this week and I enjoyed it. And so that's what I'm going to, that's what I'm going to review or recap. I guess it's a little bit of both anyway. Uh, so Iceman number one, this is written by Cinna Grace. The art is by Alessandro Vitti and the colors are Rochelle Rosenberg. And I think I got everyone's name, right? Woo-hoo. Okay. <clears throat> so we open up and Bobby, Iceman, his name is Bobby, Bobby Drake, uh, Iceman is making a dating profile. As you all know, or may not know, uh, Bobby just came out as gay. Well, not just, he came out a few years ago, but this is his first solo series as a gay character. He had one, I don't know, maybe in like the 80s or 90s or something like that. It was a very short run, I believe. But now uh, he is gay, he is out, he is proud. Well, he's not really out. We'll get into it. Anyway, um, so he's creating a dating profile online, and he's describing how he's a mentor to his younger time-displaced self. If you don't know what that means, I'm sorry. Uh, so we see him training, and the older Bobby, you know, kicks younger Bobby's butt, of course, because he's older, more experienced, has more training. And um, one of the things that I don't like, uh, it doesn't happen too often towards the middle and end, but in the beginning, there are a lot of your old jokes like, haha, you're old and I'm young. And I thought that was a bit mm, too much, but eventually it died off. And so it was fine. But anyway, uh, there's a lot of that going on between old and young Bobby. And I just said old, didn't I? Mm, shame. So anyway, Bobby describes his friends and like the X-Men being his family and stuff. And this is all, you know, like 
what he's supposedly typing into his profile and he gets a message from his mom and it's basically like your dad's in the hospital and Bobby rushes out and he gets to the hospital and his parents are acting like nothing's wrong and they start talking about like oh when are you gonna meet a nice girl and you know who hasn't been there and he kind of like shies away from the fact that he's gay I guess he hasn't really you know told them you know been there as well uh, he hasn't told them yet, so he's not talking about it. And we learned that his relationship with his parents isn't, you know, a good one because they don't really know what's going on in his life. He doesn't know what's going on in their life. It turns out that his parents moved away from his childhood home. They, like, have a new home or whatever. And he didn't know that. They don't know that he's gay. So stuff like that, like, they just don't know too much about each other. And um, so we kind of, like, get the the whole... I don't know, drift of their relationship. Like they're, they don't really have one very much. It's still like mother, father, son situation, but like distance, you know? So eventually they hear this bang or something like this big noise outside of the room. And his parents are like, Bobby, don't do it. Don't do it, girl or boy. Cause they don't know that he wouldn't, you know, probably respond well to that. Uh, so they're like, don't do it. And he's like, you guys, I'm a hero. I have to go out and do this. So he goes and we see that there's this girl that's being chased by a purifier. And for those of you who don't know, a purifier is a person who basically believes that mutants are an abomination. So they're just going to like, you know, try to kill them all. And so they usually just so you get a picture of who they are, they usually wear crosses around their necks. I don't know if they're all religious, but it seems like from what I've seen um, through the X-Men comics and X-Men Gold and Generation X, um, they usually have a cross around their neck. So I'm guessing they're religious, but I'm not going to go ahead and say that every one of them is religious. Probably not. But anyway, he kicks the guy's ass and um, there's this cool thing that he does, which I really like in one of the panels. He completely ices the guy, like puts him in a block of ice and then throws the block of ice at the wall and it shatters. The guy doesn't shatter, you know, because he's not frozen. He's just in a block of ice. I mean, that's got to be painful. But anyway, uh, the ice shatters and the purifier gets knocked out and stuff. Um, tells to each other. I think they do because he, you know, oddly knows her name and they didn't have an introduction. But anyway, he uh, asks her what her ability is. And she's like, oh, it's really lame. It's like nothing big or whatever. Like my spit turns solid like I can do tricks with it and stuff and so she like demonstrates and it comes it like becomes she spits in her hand and it turns into this like I don't know like skinny ass like stalagmite or something like a little like pointy toothpick I don't know it wasn't like too impressive but uh, he tells her basically that you know don't worry about it. When I was your age, you know, all I could do was throw snowballs and now I'm like an Omega mutant or whatever. And for those who don't know, like an Omega mutant is basically the most powerful type of mutant that you could be. Uh, I think, I don't know if it's still the, uh, the same now as it used to be, but I think they used to do like levels one through five and five was basically Omega or it could be that Omega is better than five. I don't really know. I, I haven't read the in-betweens, but, um, yeah, so an Omega is the most powerful type of mega, um, mutant that you could be. Anyway, uh, so he goes back to his parents' room, and they basically tell him, like, we're going we're gonna to need you to go. We can't deal with all this drama. And he's like, okay, fine, fuck it. So he leaves, and he decides that he's going to, like, complete his dating profile. I don't know if he decides, but it's more like all this was happening, and he was doing his profile, I guess. But anyway, um, he 
he starts he basically deletes everything because the way it ends is that you see a little panel that's like about me and um what he's typed in is kind of like the shrug emoji so i don't know who can't relate to that you know <laughs> and that's that's how the the book ends so so far i like the lightheartedness that it has um i think it's probably later going to get a little bit darker as far as emotions go but right now it's kind of lighthearted and i like that uh, a lot of uh, books right now are kind of trying, I think, to go more in that direction. But there are still some serious things going on in them. So anyway, this one's lighthearted. I like it. What I didn't like was that there are some panels, and maybe this is just a preference for me. I don't know. But there are some panels where they make Bobby look much older than he is. I think he's supposed to be in you know, his early 30s, maybe. But um, they make him look like he's 50 or something like there's just a lot of wrinkles on him at times and it's not all the time it's just like certain pages and I think it's like when he's zoomed in or something and then they just like put all these lines on him but it makes him look really old especially the way they draw his parents because they're kind of they have a little a, a bit more lines than he does but it's it's I don't know it makes him look much older than he probably is but anyway that's probably not that big of a deal I'll get used to it I'm sure um, so yeah, that's Iceman number one. Uh, it went by pretty quickly, I think, but that's what it is. I enjoyed it. Uh, issue number two comes out the day this episode is released. So I'll be picking that up. And on the cover of issue number two is Shadow Cat and him. Uh, and they're just there, uh, standing there looking at us. I don't know, at the camera. <laughs> they're looking, but anyway, um, yeah, so I'm going to pick that up. So the next thing I wanted to talk about isn't really going to be a discussion, but just a quick little thing. I don't know if you guys all know this, but Amy Pascal and Kevin Feige were recently doing an interview. I think they were doing a press junket or something. And uh, Amy Pascal started ranting off about how the new movies that Sony's doing, Venom, and they're also doing Silver and Black, which is um, Silver... Uh, silver uh someone and black cat <laughs> sorry you don't come to me for information uh but they're doing two movies that are coming out in the next few years and originally Kevin Feige was like absolutely not this is not part of the Marvel universe that we're building this is a whole separate thing and then Amy Pascal was like actually I'm going to let you guys in on something. This is totally in the same universe. And you may or may not get to see Tom Holland in a Venom movie. And <laughs> if you see the video, it's quite funny because, like, Kevin Feige looks like he's, like, his eyes get kind of, like, wide. And he, like, smiles nervously. Like, I could just imagine in his head he's thinking, like, you fucking bitch. But, like, it's it's really funny. But um, I don't know what that means. Like, a lot of people are speculating that... Um, Kevin Feige's not happy about this and that it's not really true and that they have no part of it. What I want to do is be a little bit more optimistic for what that means. I think, you know, in my non-professional opinion, is that Kevin Feige wasn't ready to share that information and they probably wanted to share it like with a reveal in, let's say, the end credits of Spider-Man, maybe show the symbiote or something, you know, landing on Earth or something like that. And Amy Pascal totally fucked it up by <laughs> talking about it too early. Um, I think that's probably 
the the more likely scenario, or at least the scenario that I would like to believe is the case. So um, regardless, I wasn't super happy about the Venom movie. Uh, doesn't really matter what I think, but I was probably, you know, always going to see it, but less hesitant about being excited about it. But if it is actually part of the Marvel Universe and they can really tie it in well and Kevin Feige actually does get to produce it and, you know, be uh, the liaison of, of MCU and Sony and, you know, like help work that out, like then I'm 100% on board. Uh, I think Venom is a really fucked up character. Uh, later on in uh, the next few weeks, you'll be hearing an interview all about Venom, which was crazy. But anyway, uh, so yeah, that's the news um, that I have for you guys. Not really much else other than that, I don't think. Let me put on my thinking cap. Hmm, ponder, 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 think, think, think. Yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Um, So let's go on to the episode, the interview, rather. You're already in the episode, Richard. What is wrong with you? Anyway, this episode, we are talking all about why the last man. Now, normally, I would have someone come in and talk about one specific character. But because this is a limited run series by Brian K. Vaughn, I decided why not have him talk all about the entire series? We don't get into too many spoilers. There's a There are a few spoilers, but I don't think that they're as important as some of the ones that we definitely avoided. So... Uh, with all that being said, oh, I'm sorry. We have Adam Knoll on from the Game On podcast. You guys remember Mark Waters. That was our very first episode where he talked about Black Canary. Well, this is one of his co-hosts from that podcast. And he's on to talk all about Why the Last Man. This was one of his favorite series. So it was very fun to talk about it. And here it is. All right. Welcome to my show, Adam Knoll. Hello. That's you. <laughs> so I have you here to talk about Why the Last Man, yes. which is an Image Comics. Is it? No, it's Vertigo. It is Vertigo. It's a Vertigo Comics publication. Um, I don't know too much about this. You okay. told me that you wanted to talk about this. Sure. And I was like, I don't know what that is. So I read like the first two issues. Uh-huh. And I really like it, but you're going to go ahead and tell me all and about it. just spoil the shit out yes, of it. Yes, just spoil the shit out of it. That's what I want. That's Great. what we're here for. Good, good, good. <laughs> So who does this story focus around? So this story focuses around three people. Um, Yorick, also known as Y, the uh-huh. last man. Uh-huh. Um, he is the last surviving male human that mm-hmm. we know of, of course, after all of the male mammals with a Y chromosome have all died at the exact same moment on planet Earth. Mm-hmm. So women have inherited the Earth and Y... Yorick is the last man. Yeah. Which is where the title comes One from. One of the things that I want to talk about real quick is mm-hmm. that after the first issue, there's a, a page that just like says basically like out of all the people that died, like this is what's left of the earth, which is basically women. But one of the crazy things is that they're like, you know, 100% of these people died because no women right. are in that position. And right. like 90% of like all government in the right. U.S. is dead. And it's right. like, whoa, that's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah, like 98% of like commercial airline pilots uh-huh. and like 100% of like submarine, you know, sailors. And yeah, we're all men. So yeah. once the the vacuum is there, you know, it's it, the whole the whole series focuses on what do the women do mm-hmm. after the men are all gone? Yeah. How do they survive and how do they continue on? But but the story really focuses on Yorick 
and his two um, companions. So the, the the main three characters of the book are him, um, his bodyguard known as 355. Oh, I know who that she is. Does <laughs> not have, she does not have a real name. It's, um, 355 is her code name. Mm-hmm. As she is a secret agent that works for the United States government, and mm-hmm. she is tasked to be his bodyguard. And the other character that follows along with them is Dr. Allison Mann. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful. A little ironic. <laughs> yeah. But you find out that's not even her real name either. So. Uh, okay. Um, and she is a half Chinese, half Japanese, later American scientist who has done work in cloning. Um, and so they think that she is the best chance to to basically bring the men back to the world. And mm-hmm. so she is um, originally she's trying to figure out Yorick, how, you know, what happened and why he's the, why he survived. Um, and the whole story then takes them across country where they go to from um, the East coast to her, her lab in San Francisco. Okay. The whole first part of the story, the whole first maybe five volumes of a 10 volume graphic novel. Set. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that I, was wondering, because mm-hmm. um, I haven't gotten too far into it, is that, you know, the whole first issue is basically just like kind of following certain characters yeah. while the men are still alive. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, you know, they all die and York is kind of like just there. Yeah. Um, the next issue, it's kind of, it almost feels a little like apocalyptic. Yes. What happens to like the technology? Because I didn't even see much of it in that episode. I mean, in that issue. Yeah. Um, the... It is totally apocalyptic, um, you know, of course, like in a place like L.A. or New York and Boston where they kind of spend some time, you know, the car is just parked on the freeway. It's sort of like a walking dead, you mm-hmm. know, as everyone just sort of dies and, you know, there's chaos. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming like the cell phone towers and all these, you know, all these kind of things of technology just don't work anymore because nobody's been around to to keep them up or, you know, even you know, like with car accidents and, you know, the men just dying immediately, there was a lot of women also killed, you know, with right. um, planes in the air. They I think they said there were like 5,000 planes in the air at the time. Oh, wow. And like, all, you know, all of them went down. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, uh, but I, I did want to also mention there's also a, a fourth character called Ampersand. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who is Yorick's uh, pet capuchin monkey. Uh-huh who is the only other surviving male mammal. Mm. So somehow the two of them were shielded from whichever plague killed the rest of the males. And we won't say what it is until later, but um, is there a reason, like a specific reason for that? Or There is. And this is where I want to kind of get off a little bit and talk about the creator of this of the series. Okay. So the series is it's 60 episodes. It was written from 2002 until 2008. It was written by a guy named Brian K. Vaughn um, and drawn by a woman named Pia Guerra. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, and uh, Brian K. Vaughn has, has written a lot of superhero comics as well. He wrote um, some like Ultimate X-Men. He created the Runaways series mm-hmm. for Marvel. Um, he also wrote a series called Ex Machina, which was pretty well known. And uh, more recently, Saga, which is right. a re- has been a really popular series. He also because of his work on why the last man was a writer on the show lost. Oh, so did you watch lost? I saw the first episode when it first (laughs) came out and then I never 
continued. So I, I do kind of want to make this parallel to Lost because everyone when Lost was on was just hoping for answers and hoping for answers and what is this and what is that? And a lot of people were, were pissed when it ended because mm -hmm. it didn't answer everything. Mm. But one of the points that I think it tried to make was it's not so much about the answers as it is about the journey. Mm -hmm. And and that's kind of one thing I want to say about the series before somebody picks up, well, what, how did the men die? You know, <laughs> and how do they cure it? You know, uh -huh. like that's not really the point of the, of the series. I mean, the, it, you know, it's this big apocalyptic thing that happened, but it really is so character contained in these three characters. Um, so that the journey is, is the story and it's not really about getting the answers in the end. Okay. Well, that's good. I mean, as long as the story, I think if a story is solid, mm -hmm. it, it's true. You don't need all the answers and that's yeah. kind of like life, you know, right. like you, moments happen and then you don't get to figure out why it happened. It yeah, just happens. Exactly. Um, so that's kind of great. Um, one of the things that I know happens is that there is a group of women who particularly are happy that the men are gone yes. and <laughs> the Amazons. the Amazons. Uh, so they kind of do this thing that Amazonians used to do or, you know, um, where they would chop off a boob uh -huh. <laughs> so that they could be better archers. Correct. How intense are these women? They're, uh, it's fucked up. They're, <laughs> there's a lot of different fucked up factions in the group uh -huh. in, in the series but the Amazons are sort of the first fucked up faction you come across. Mm -hmm. um, it's really sort of led by one woman, Victoria, who was supposed to be a, you know, a world champion chess player. Okay. But because like the men would never like let her compete against them, you know, she sort of has this vendetta against men. So they go around, you know, they've cut off their, you know, their left breast. That's how you like get in and then are basically trying to just destroy anything that's left of the patriarchy. So they go around burning sperm clinics oh, and geez. monuments and, you know, there's really not a, I mean, everyone's just fucked up after the, the tragedy, you know, mm -hmm. so there's a lot of insanity running rampant. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, so how, how I'm assuming that there, there are groups that are completely different from each other. You have the Amazons who, you know, hate men. Yes. Is there like a good amount of people who are like really trying to figure this out and, you know, like get the males back on Earth? Yes, or? I think so. Um, the What the story mostly focuses on is obviously keeping Yorick alive enough to figure out what happened to him. It's really it's really like a road trip story mm -hmm. um, sort of through the whole thing. And through this whole road trip, they encounter all these different factions of women and what how are they coping to being now the ones in power, really? So, for example, like the, there's um, a, a big long arc dealing with characters from Israel mm -hmm. because the Israeli army, I believe, is the only one that requires women to register for the draft. Mm -hmm. So I so all women are, are most women are supposed to be able to serve in the Israeli army. And so they already have the most trained army in the world mm -hmm. just because of that fact, you know, and, um, you know, it deals with, um, uh, you know, Sub, there's a submarine that's on its way to taking heroin into Australia oh. <laughs> and you know how like you know within in China where the ratio of men to women was so you know it's like there's all these power vacuums left and how do the, the women take that and actually you might have read this part one of the first episodes there's a standoff between the Democrats and the Republicans on the White House lawn oh okay no I don't think I've seen because, that yet because after all the men die 
all the women that are left in Congress, mm -hmm. like two thirds of the elected officials were Democrats. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden the Democrats are in power. So the Republican, the wives of the, of the Republican Congress want to think that they should get their husband spot so that the Republicans can still have their say, mm -hmm. even though they're not elected. And so there's like an old fashioned, you know, gunslinger stand oh on the God. White House lawn. <laughs> That's kind of amazing. Democrats and Republicans. It's um, pretty amazing. And, and speaking to that, his mother is a senator, right? She, yeah, she's a congresswoman. Oh, yeah. congresswoman. Yep. Okay. Where where is their relationship and how how do they intertwine within the story? Yeah, so she is really the one because of course she has connections to the new president who was like the former secretary of agriculture or something, mm -hmm. who's now been promoted to president, of course. Um, so they are sort of they know about Yorick from pretty much from the beginning, and their goal, of course, is to protect him and to see how, you know, what they can do to how if they can find a cure for the plague. Mm -hmm. Um, so beyond that, they don't really meet that much because the three characters, Yorick, 355 and Dr. Mann are sort of on their own meeting different people throughout the story, but they don't really get an opportunity to kind of connect back that often. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's go into one of their first adventures. Mm -hmm. Sure. Go for it. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, one of their first ones. Well, <laughs> They do ride the rails across um, uh, the country, which is one of the only ways that you can get across since kind of the roads are blocked and, you know, it's a lot of effort to get all the cars. So they get the railroads running again. Mm -hmm. But they're um, at one point they get off and they're in Arizona and there is a band <laughs> of uh, like Arizona marshals or something mm -hmm. you know sort of like a texas marshal type thing but you know like sort of segregationists of the state of arizona that are basically blocking all the traffic going from east coast to west coast uh -huh. um so it's sort of one of the first moments where yorick himself who is generally sort of a comedic character you know he's yorick himself is like an escape artist he you know he's early 20s makes no money um his thing is like being able to get out of handcuffs and straight jackets. So, which actually, of course, through the course of the story helps. Yeah. <laughs> but it's sort of one of the first moments where he has an encounter and has to kind of make a life or death situation and where he has to kill somebody. Oh. So that, um, it, one of the great things I love about the story is that it, it weaves these kind of powerful and dramatic moments where people have to make really tough choices, like you see all the time in The Walking Dead. Mm -hmm. um, but it still has a light tone to it too he sort of never loses his sense of humor he always sort of has an optimistic outlook on it mm -hmm. um oh and i just thought of uh, the next like story arc after that agent 355 she is a member of the culpering which is an actually real or spy organization created in the american revolutionary war oh by george washington mm-hmm um, there was an actual female agent 355 in the Revolutionary War. Nobody actually knows who it is. Oh. So supposedly in United States history, the Culper Ring was only for the Revolutionary War to kind of, you know, as a spy circle against the British. Mm -hmm. But in what, the Why the Last Man universe, they've been a covert organization since then. Mm -hmm. And so Agent 355 is a moniker that has been passed down from, you know, from agent to agent. Um, so she has an agent friend 7-eleven <laughs> which of Beautiful. course Yorick makes jokes about <laughs> but actually 7-eleven was George Washington's number in the culprit ah. yeah, so <laughs> so she um 
she notices that York is kind of putting his life on the line. Agent 355 notices that York is putting his life on the line all the time. So she asks her friend, 7-Eleven, to kind of figure out why, why is, what is this death wish? Why does he keep putting himself into these risky situations? You know, why is he kind of, kind of maybe secretly wishing for suicide? And so unbeknownst to him, this, is all, this all happens, you know, behind his back. Agent 7-Eleven ties him up like a dominatrix, whips his ass, beats his ass, begs <laughs> her to fuck him, fucks with his mind, you know, just to get into like what is really going on back there. Uh-huh. And so it's the story is not afraid to kind of dig deep into who the characters really are and what are their motivations and why are they flawed and why are they, you know, why is that, you know, why is that making them do that? Mm-hmm. One of my favorite quotes about comic books is from Gail Simone. Um, and she says, I like my characters to be real and my stories to be fantasy. And this is like the perfect example <laughs> yeah. of that, where the characters feel so real. But, you know, of course, it's just like a fantasy story. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, the interactions are so amazing. And it's something that Brian K. Vaughn as a writer in all of his series has been really good at. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Um, so once we get to San Francisco mm-hmm. um, is... Leslie, not Leslie Mann. That's Doc, an actress. Yeah, Dr. Allison Mann. <laughs> Allison Mann. Uh, is she able to kind of like start getting to work and trying to figure out everything? She does. Um, although, so, so you do find out around that point when they get to San Francisco that what actually protected Yorick was Ampersand. Really? So somehow... Which you find out at the end. <laughs> okay. <laughs> towards the more towards the end. Um, ampersand was uh, injected with a serum by Dr. Mann's father <laughs> before okay. the plague. Because he was also trying to do work on cloning. And they were basically sort of trying to beat each other. Dr. Mann and her father mm-hmm. were trying to beat each other to be able to clone the first human. So he injected this serum into this monkey, sent it to her to try to get the baby to, her clone baby to die, which she was pregnant with at the time. <laughs> oh, no. Somehow, though, uh, there was a mix-up in the shipping, and these two, like, cappuccino monkeys got switched, of course, okay. and so it ends up in Yorick's hands. So Yorick is actually protected because Ampersand threw his shit at him, <laughs> and there are microbes <laughs> in the shit. That, and, and that happens like that at the ended very up beginning, like vaccinating yeah. him into, you know, against this plague. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, at the very beginning, the reason he has this monkey is because he decides that he's gonna like volunteer to train it to to help disabled people. Right. 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 Okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's wow. Okay, I didn't see that coming, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty interesting. Um, there is more to the story about what actually caused the plague, and they do sort of give, especially at the beginning, they sort of give you a bunch of red herrings mm-hmm. where like um, Agent 355, you know, at the exact moment that, that the plague happens, Agent 355 is carrying this talisman from like Palestinian airspace into Turkey or something, you know, and there's some legend about this talisman that if it ever left, you know, this re- land, you know, this big plague would happen. And um Dr. Mann at the exact moment was miscarrying her clone baby. So there's a lot of different things that they think, well, what maybe this caused it or maybe this caused mm-hmm. it. But I won't tell you the exact answer. You That's just have okay. to read it. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so um, at the beginning, we do find out that Yorick has a girlfriend who yes. he 
was going to propose to. I don't did right, he? So I don't remember that, if he yeah, did. He, but he proposed to her pulling out this ring, which apparently was a magic ring. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> at the exact moment that all the men die, and the, you know their phone is disconnected, and so she never gets her answer after he proposes to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the rest of the, I mean, besides the plot of them trying to get, you know, figure out what's causing the plague and how to cure it. His goal is just to find her. Mm-hmm. So she's in Australia at the time. And his whole mission is trying to find her. And they do reunite eventually. But it is, to- again, like towards the end. And so it is, you know, it's sort of like a, a MacGuffin where it's, you know, it's, it's that's the motivating factor, but it's not really the point, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, really the point is of the story is, God, Agent 355 and Yorick and Dr. Mann and what do they do? And Dr. Mann, of course, is a lesbian. So, and of course, you know, with the men all gone, that deals with sex issues a lot. They're, they run into um, a lifelike sex, male sex robot in Japan. <laughs> nice. Oh, so they <laughs> get to the travel. Yakuza the, get. <laughs> so they, they get to travel the world then. Oh, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. good. So once they get to San Francisco, then, because um, Dr. Mann, she actually n- named herself after Mann's Chinese Theater. <laughs> Oh, as a sort of like, you know, because she, you know, her parents were Chinese and Japanese. Uh-huh. Um, she grew up in Japan and lived in China and then came to L.A., you know, when she was, you know, like preteen age mm-hmm. um, and total rebel, became a lesbian, you know, kind of goth and, you know, was just rebelling against everything that her parents sort of stood for and, and named herself after the cheesiest, <laughs> you know, chinoisee Asian, uh-huh. you know. Uh, a name that she could think of. <laughs> um, so you did mention that there's kind of like it, it, it goes into sex. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything that's at all fucked up that happens as, as far as sex? Cause like I'm picturing that there are a bunch of women. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there's women that, you know, have sexual desires yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Like what, what is that like for them? I mean, not all women are going to become lesbians. Right. So I know you mentioned that Japan has this robot <laughs> that they use, but do we ever see what it's like for anybody else around the other parts of the Yeah, nation? of course. And they talk a lot, they, they mention a lot because there are a lot of women trying to pass to be men. Oh. A lot of sex workers, of course, but then also actual trans men mm-hmm. that don't have the Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are just, you know, that's that. And so that's one of the things that, as Yorick meets women and they don't know, they try to disguise him all the time that they're traveling. But of course he actually like ends up meeting people all the time. Um, but usually, you know, they, they try to pass him off as, you know, like a, a, a trans man or, you know, just somebody trying to pass. And of mm-hmm. course there's insults. Oh, like, Oh, your beard looks terrible. You should use, <laughs> you know, this spirit gum or something. Nice. You know? <laughs> so there's a lot of, of jokes and, and playing on that perception. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, of course, the sex story where, um, you know, she's trying to like cure Yorick of his desires is is pretty twisted. His um, desires of having sex with women? No, or? his desires of trying to kill himself. Oh, you know, oh okay. Right, right, right. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a pretty twisted sex moment. Um, Agent 355 and Dr. Mann have a little fling at one point. Um, there's not a lot of gratuitous sex in the book, but mm-hmm. of course it doesn't shy away from it at all. Like this is a mature book. There's, you know, it's, it's not as dark as the walking dead, but it's sort of on that same sort of level of, of what you can expect as far as adult content. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there was, uh, I did speak to someone just very briefly about the series and this was a, a woman and she was saying that it was a good story, but she couldn't tell that it was written from like a guy's perspective. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're not women, so right. I can't really speak to it. But do you feel like it does any kind of disservice to women? No. And I and I will tell you one of the big things is the, actually the art. Um, mm-hmm. The art style drawn by a woman is is more realistic than what you would see in, like, superhero comics. You don't see all these, like, back-breaking twisted poses that you see, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. Catwoman get into, for example. Or, you know, it, it the bodies all are in poses that real bodies go in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not too many contortionist yeah, stuff exactly, going on. Exactly. So there's no like sexualizing of, of the women for men's entertainment mm-hmm. uh, visually. Um, I think that there are, yeah, I guess I would love to hear a woman's perspective who has read the whole series. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, they make jokes too. Like, of course, all the men have, you know, the women have inherited the earth, and the and the man is the star. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, do we ever find any kind of like mob situation where there's a battle for him, like towards him, or anything like that? Because he yes. is the last man. The Israelis are after him the entire time. Are they? Are yeah. they trying to kill him, or what's? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> um, the, there's really one character. She goes by the name Alter. She is in charge of the Israeli army. And you don't really realize what her motivation is until the, the very end. Okay. And it's twisted too. Um, and I don't... I, I'm happy to spoil storylines, but I don't want to spoil the stuff that happens at the very end because like... And I have to tell you, I I reread the whole series over this past week and I just read volume 10, you know, today... So I've been on an emotional roller coaster today already. <laughs> um, but he he okay. So he's traveling with these two other women. Is mm-hmm. it always them? Yes, they are always together until sort of the end, and they sort of split up. Um, and they have other companions at certain times, mm-hmm. but it, the three of them are the core of the group. Okay, and so you have the Israeli army going after them. Mm-hmm. Is it kind of like a a chase, or is it, do they realize? exactly that they're being chased or how is uh, that yes. situation with them yeah they do although i don't think that of course they don't know why really i mean ever you know alters motive motivation that she says throughout the whole thing is that well like having the last man in our power will make israel the most powerful nation on earth mm. um and there's also a <laughs> A ninja girl <laughs> from Japan that's after the monkey because oh. she knows she knows like that the monkey is the one that has the antidote, or mm-hmm. and you find out who like who she's working for. So there's a, there's people after them sort of throughout the whole thing, but that's why three fifty five is there. And three fifty five, I know your podcast is sort of focusing on has been focused on characters. Mm-hmm. And so if I had to pick a character that I want to just talk about, it's her. <laughs> well, let's go into her. Tell yes. me a little bit more about her. So 355, you you don't really get her origin until until later in the series. But she was orphaned, uh, kind of grew up in an orphanage, and then was recruited into the Culpa Ring. Mm-hmm. She is African-American um, and just completely badass. She's, you know, York's protector, 
his bodyguard. She's on mission for the United States government. She's working for the president, you know. Um, and she's sort of, uh, at first glance, humorless. Like, Yora keeps trying to, like, make jokes about pop culture. And she kind of grew up in an orphanage and then was recruited when she was 15 into this, like, spy organization. Mm-hmm. So, like doesn't know anything about like movies you know so at first it sort of seems like maybe she doesn't really have that much of a personality but when you see it come through it's awesome and she's also she's just one of those people that you know she doesn't want to be the badass she doesn't really want to be doing this job but she does it because she has to Mm -hmm. and she does it because she knows that she's the one who can do it and i and i kind of am really into characters that just do what they know needs to be done how did she get recruited i mean she's 15 getting recruited like did they see something in her? I mean, obviously they yeah. had to see something in her, but like, what was that thing? Or did they ever explain it? Yeah. Well, the scene where they, where she gets recruited, she's in uh, Southie Boston mm-hmm. and um, a bunch of like white boys, like call her the N word. Uh, so of course she kicks their ass, <laughs> <laughs> yes. but ends up, you know, so I think getting, getting in a lot of trouble. And so out, out of that, some um another another black woman who was is the agent 355 at the time mm-hmm. recruits her then into the organization okay along with 711 who is her friend from the orphanage and she was like the same age yeah there's okay. similar age yeah um is the agent 355 you said that it's passed down you know mm-hmm. from person to person is it always a woman yes oh, 355 okay. is always a woman okay cool mm-hmm. cool okay um so let's talk a little bit about um the 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 groups again um mm-hmm. so he's going around traveling around the world and everything it sounds like he probably comes across people who don't care that he's the last man or that he yes. is a man yes um is that ever kind of like explored a little more as to like do they just want to be left alone do they yeah there's a a lot of people when they realize what the mission is and what they're trying to do aren't after him they're in support of oh we need to get we need to help you we need to get you there Mm -hmm. for example one of the early episodes there's they run into a village that's like after every every place else is in chaos and there's a village that has like electricity and you know they have food and they're sort of wondering like how did this all happen it's in like murrieta ohio which is famously known to have like a woman's prison so you find out that all these women who are kind of keeping this town running were all prisoners that basically were just kind of let go because what are they going to do now you know (laughs) you know the wardens just sort of let them out and so they've kind of moved into this warden's village Mm. and have turned it into this kind of like little utopia and so when they run into yorick they realize that they have to help him okay and of course he's really an asshole and prejudiced against them because they were prisoners and you know and, and and you know he's a young kid like 22 i think at the beginning of the of the series and he just like you see him mature the series happens in real time you know it happened it was written in five years and it takes place over five years oh wow okay so except for the last episode kind of goes into the future or the last issue kind of goes into the future but Mm -hmm. yeah so you you really kind of see all of the characters growth over the course of five years okay um there was something i was going to ask and i completely but there is (laughs) i do want to tell you one sort of crazy plot twist that I uh-huh. haven't mentioned is, okay. and this is there are astronauts in the space station so <laughs> so is- one of the major plot points is well you know the astronaut there's still men alive in space you know how do they get them back and that's a main story one of them there's a a male and female astronaut 
American and then a Russian cosmonaut that are all on the space station trying to get back to oh, Earth. Oh wow! I'm gonna I'm gonna ask a question, but don't answer it. Okay. Uh, if they when they get back to Earth, do the men die? Don't answer it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I'm like really wanting to know that. I'm That's not a great question, Richard. <laughs> um, I remember what I was gonna ask you. Okay, so at in the second issue, we see. Um, uh, Yorick walking around. He's like covered head to toe yeah. so nobody can see. Yeah, who. usually in a gas mask or yeah. something. Um, and he runs across this woman who's picking up dead bodies of men mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. she's, you know, throwing them into a truck because she's going to sell the bodies to science, which I'm guessing is for Dr. Man. Well, no. So no, she, okay. she is actually, she just basically got a job disposing of the bodies. I think oh, okay. by like sanitation or the government or whatever. So yeah, so that I think they turned one of the like baseball parks and I think this is in Boston into like a giant crematorium or something. Wow, uh-huh. So yeah, so her, she's actually getting paid to, you know, pick up the bodies and she says something cause I, she's a supermodel or she used yeah, to be a supermodel. Yeah, she's, she's, she's like, supermodel. now what good does it do? You know? <laughs> um, so in the, in when she finds out that he's, you know, actually a man, she wants to take him back um, mm-hmm. with her, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. um, does she last or what happens no, to her? No, but she actually does come back in an episode in the last volume just oh, okay. to kind of see, well, what is she up to now, you know? Mm-hmm. So it is sort of interesting, like characters that you, that sort of come in that you think you might never see again might come back in the end. Mm-hmm. There's a few sort of like off ep- issues that I would say that don't really focus on the three core characters and it, you, and it, they generally focus on this theater troupe. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> That's sort of like traveling around the Midwest, like putting on Entertaining theater. People. Yeah, because there's no TV or movies because <laughs> most people haven't figured out how, you know, the electricity early on. Mm-hmm. And um, so they put on a show about the last man on earth. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and are they putting on the show of Yorick's story or do no, they not so know they just him make yet? one up. Okay, they, and okay. so like, and so they like run into them and uh, Yorick, uh, they like come to the performance and of course the performance gets like, you know, upset and it doesn't get finished. And so Yorick's like, well, what happens in the end? And they're like, they're like, well, the man commits suicide because, and lets the women save themselves. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and he's like, no offense, but your show sounds like a piece of shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so it does span five years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Is he ever, uh, I don't know if I should ask this, but, are they, is he ever, that's a long time. Does he ever um, get into any relationship with anybody else? Yes. Uh, so he's always looking for Beth, his fiance. Right. Um, he does uh, run into another Beth. Oh. <laughs> on a different, at a different point that he ends up sleeping with. So he's actually pretty faithful to Beth, his girlfriend slash fiance. Mm-hmm which is kind of a running gag in a way because everyone's like, or shouldn't you be like fucking everyone and trying to like repopulate <laughs> the planet, you know? Uh-huh. Um, but he does end up sleeping with this other girl, Beth, who then becomes pregnant, which he doesn't know about until then later towards the end when they reunite and she's already had the baby. And um, Oh, that actually brings me to a question. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, mm-hmm. But so all the Y chromosomes are destroyed. Mm-hmm. Is, is he able to still produce sperm that's just... XX. Or do they, I guess they'd never talk about they, it. They, yeah, that's, 
Yeah, that's not something that's ever specifically addressed. But um, what about the sperm banks? Do they ever go into that? Like, is the sperm oh, yeah, just Amazon's, dead? Or? Well, most of them just sort of go defunct because the, the power goes out. Oh, and okay. And they can no longer be frozen. And the ones that kind of have backup basically get looted by the Amazons. Mm. So I'm sure in other countries there are probably sperm banks that are we're still out there. But at least in the ones that they talk about, yeah, they're gone. Mm, okay. Um, so going back to non-fiance Beth, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what is that like for him? Does does he have to go through like a struggle to do what he yeah, does? Or I think that I want to say I think that happens after his sort of intervention with Seven Eleven. Mm-hmm. So he's sort of, I think, gotten his mind a little more clear uh, as far as his role in the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, but I think it really is like a sweet moment because they really do like each other. They meet and they kind of have this. Oh, and the adventure is cool because they're the, you know there's so many li- like issues that deal with a certain thing about what would happen if the men are gone that like you wouldn't even think of. Well, I wouldn't even think of anyway. Mm-hmm. So in this example, um, it's the Roman Catholic Church. So there's like the highest nun in the church and then the Swiss guard, she's got like two Swiss guards with her who are women now, but they cannot have a woman Pope because only a Pope can change that rule. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So they have to find a man to ordain as a Pope to then say that women can be Popes. (laughs) Oh boy. Wow. They really stuck to the rules. So they're really sticking to the doctrine. Yeah. (laughs) That is beautiful. Wow. Okay. Are there any other kind of circumstances like that where he's like going around doing something because the people are trying to like follow certain rules and they need him to like do something? Uh, Not him so much. And I think in this circumstance with the nuns, I don't think they actually find Yorick. They find Beth after she's pregnant and then they are hoping that the baby is a boy because they heard rumors somehow that she was, I don't know how, you know, I don't remember exactly how they figured out that she might be actually pregnant. Oh, I know they were actually investigating like every rumor of a pregnant woman. And Mm -hmm. so far all of them had been fake. And so then they see that she's really pregnant and do like an ultrasound and then see it's a girl and they're like, all right, well, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that, uh, I just have a little quick question. Um, Mm -hmm. what about the women who were pregnant with girls? They were fine. Or yes, were they not? At the time. Okay. Um, as long, uh, yeah, so there are, um, there, if you were pregnant at the time of the apocalypse with a girl, they survived. But there, there's like some pretty gruesome images of like pregnant women who have like stillborn male fetuses. Like oh. in, in the carnage of the whole plague. It's, it's kind of disturbing and gruesome with blood coming out of all the corpses' mouths and then bloody babies coming out. Oh my God. So we actually get to see kind of the aftermath of that immediate moment. They do. Yeah. It's a bit graphic, but I wouldn't say it's gratuitous. Okay. It feels appropriately violent. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I mean, the only two issues that I read obviously were the first two, but like Uh I didn't see any of that. So, Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) Um, Okay. So we're going to wrap this up a little bit, but would you say that you're there more for the other characters surrounding Yorick or would are you there for Yorick? Definitely. I am always into the ensemble. Mm-hmm. 
um, I love the X-Men. Mm-hmm. I love Buffy and the Scoobies. Yes. Like I love <laughs> what I love is is when people from all different backgrounds sort of come together as a family because they kind of have to or because they have something shared, which is why the X-Men always calls to me and Buffy too. And I feel like that's sort of the situation with this book too. It's the ensemble that really just works. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say York is not my favorite character. I do think I enjoy 355 and Dr. Man, but both of them would be boring without York there to kind of push their buttons, mm-hmm. you know? So it really is just the relationships between the core group of characters that just is so great. Mm-hmm. And I just want to sort of plug it to anyone if if you have friends, if you I, I assume your listeners are probably comic book readers. Yes, but hopefully. If, you, if but not, if you have, that's cool too. <laughs> if you have friends that are always like, oh, I've always wanted to read a comic book. I just don't know what to start because like superhero comics are, you know, there's like thousands of issues of mm-hmm. everything and there's so much continuity and it's all so confusing. And, you know, maybe The Walking Dead is too much or something <laughs> like Why the Last Man? It's 60 issues. It's perfectly contained. It's a great series to get somebody into comic books that does not read comics Mm -hmm. so i'll definitely put that plug also it is uh currently in development at fx to be a series what oh my god that is exciting (laughs) um and one of the guys that is the showrunners for uh, american gods which is currently on Mm -hmm. right now is going to be the showrunner for oh wow so they haven't officially said anything about casting or when it's gonna be premiere still in development so I suppose it could probably fall through at some point, but <laughs> hoping that it doesn't. There, it was originally going to be a movie several years back, mm. uh, but it just wouldn't work as a movie just because, like I said, it happens in real time. It happens over five years. Like, it really needs a series to kind of see these characters grow. So yeah. I'm so excited that it's happening. I hope FX does it well. <laughs> so read it before, you know, it comes out so you can be cool when it comes out and be like, oh, yeah, I read that. <laughs> Um, this might you might this might not even be answered, but is Brian K. Vaughn going to be attached to this? Do you know? I don't know. You know, he was actually the showrunner and executive producer for Under the Dome. Oh, okay. which was like a summer show a couple years back. Mm-hmm. I think it had maybe two seasons. Yeah. So I would assume that they would at least want him as a producer or executive producer just to have his sort of approval. But I, I haven't heard like how involved he is with that. Well, that'd be great if he gets his hand in there me too yeah i agree <laughs> all right um so yeah that's it <laughs> we did it thank you so much for, for talking about this this comic book i'm i'm really excited to finish it um i'm i'm very slow at reading comics because of the way i read them it's so stupid but anyway uh-huh. i'm really excited to uh to finish it but um adam where can people find you and kind of the stuff you're working on well uh you can find me. I'm on the Game On podcast with a Y. Mm-hmm. We discuss gaming and other geek culture topics from a queer perspective. So um, find me there. Yeah, and I will. I will just tell you guys that the show is really fun. Oh, thank they, you. <laughs> I, I absolutely love the show. You guys are so silly. Um, they drink while they do it, so sometimes yes. it can get a little more silly <laughs> little than anticipated. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I absolutely adore you guys, Thank and you. I, uh, yeah, go check that out. Thank you so much for doing awesome. the show. Yay! That was Adam Knoll with Why the Last Man? Why the Last Man? So I hope you enjoyed that. I hope we didn't spoil it uh, too much. Yeah. You know, we we got into things, but I don't think we spoiled it all that much. That's just going to be my opinion. I've, like I said in that interview, have read two issues. 
and uh, no, sorry, three by now. Yeah, I read three issues. I'm really enjoying it. Gonna continue. I don't care what we discussed. I love spoilers. Only when it comes to comic books. I don't need you guys tweeting at me telling me that Jon Snow, you know, marries, I don't know, Lalandra. Who? Lalandra's in my head because of X-Men, you guys, because of all the news coming out of X-Men. I know I should have probably talked about that at the beginning of the show, but here we are. So let's get to business. Let's get to business. Um, Yeah, remember how a while ago, maybe it was even last episode, I said I would stop singing if you guys go on iTunes and give me some ratings. I think you guys all want me to continue singing. So I'm going to continue to sing. Um, Yeah, <laughs> you guys are going to get punished with singing if you don't go on iTunes and rate the show. Oh, I'm the worst, aren't I? All right, so here's the social media. On Twitter, I am at interviewanerd. Uh, the website is, uh, what is the website? Interviewacomicnerd.com. Remember, I post all the episodes there. Uh, you can comment on any episode you want, anything that you're like, hey, you got this completely wrong, or hey, you got this right, and let's talk about it. That's where you go. All the discussion can happen there. There is no email address. However, there is a contact page at the website. So if you wanted to send me a private message, I will receive it through that. Um, so go ahead and clickety-clackety over there. And yeah, and then I'll respond. And then you'll probably have my actual email address. That's fine, I guess. I'm not popular. It's fine. Um, yeah. So do the iTunes, do the Twitters, do the website, do all that stuff. Uh, that's it for this week. Oh, just, just a quick little reminder, even though I said it during the interview, check out Game On Podcast. That's G-A-Y-M-E on because they're silly little people talking about geek stuff and it's fun. I enjoy it. Anyway. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the show. Hey, you guys. Do me a solid, do me a favor, do me, do me, uh, don't do me, but stay your lovely selves, be kind to one another, my little pupas, and that's it, that's the episode, bye!